welcome back to Blair and Barker. We're going to be doing the post-game show all uh, huh? all week as well. Yeah, we've got a oh, uh, Wednesday's an afternoon game, remember? I, I get to uh, listen to you tell me how bad the Blue Jays are, and they're never going to win another baseball never game. never said that. I never said that. We we, we need we need to strive strive to find a balance here, Kevin, between your optimism and my real realism. All season long on Blair and Barker, we've been giving you a chance to win Blue Jays tickets, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily trivia question to 59590. Friday, we asked you, this angel led the American League with 47 home runs in the 2000 season. Who is he? The answer was Troy Gloss. 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 Troy Gloss. And the story I was telling about him uh, on Friday was uh, he was a shortstop in college. Didn't play it in the majors until the Jays ran into a, and this is when the Jays were running through, they had like 15 different shortstops. He volunteered to play shortstop. Now, and Kevin, I told you, and, and at the time, I remember everybody saying, you know, Troy's a big man, big man playing shortstop. He'd been a pretty good third baseman. And for a guy to do that, and I think he played like six games in a row, like to check his pride and to, I know you're looking at me and saying it's in the big leagues. How hard can it be to do? But you know what I mean? There are guys who wouldn't do that. There are guys who wouldn't want to step out of their comfort zone to go back in. And I just thought it was, I thought it was a remarkable thing for a, a guy to do, for a player to do. I mean, I've covered guys who weren't comfortable hitting in this position or hitting in that position. Here's a dude that going, ah, I'll go and play a spot. I'll play a position I haven't played for like 11 years to help the team out. And then I'll do it for the next five days as well. I thought it was pretty cool. Today's question is to win tickets to the Jays and Angels game at the Rogers Center on August 28th. The only three Angels to win the American League Rookie of the Year award are Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and this player who played his whole career with the team. This is a very fishy question, I might add. Uh, The only three Angels to win AL Rookie of the Year are Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and this player. He played his whole career with the team. Text the answer to 59590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. See what I did there with the fishy thing. Probably a giveaway. You think it was? I think it was. I think it's a giveaway. Oh, and it got, what did I say? Garrett Anderson, Jim Fergosi. I was pulling out all sorts of names out of my you-know-what. Did not pull this one out, though. Would you have gotten it? No. It's weird. I, I, it was obvious after you told me the name. but Yeah, and that's one of those things. Once you hear the name, you go, how did I not even think of that guy? I didn't realize he spent his whole career with you. Nor did I. Mm-mm. Nor did I. I didn't realize that as well, which, uh, I mean, it's a rarity. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's a rarity mm-hmm. for guys to spend their entire career with one team. The Jays and the Baltimore Orioles open their three-game series tonight at the Rogers Center. First pitch will be 7.07. You say Kikuchi will take his 4-6 and six record and his 5.13 ERA to the mound against, I'm just reading it, against Kyle Bradish, who's 1-4 and four at 6.42. Yeah. It's Kyle Bradish's ERA. Talk about picking your spots. What, what do you think Kyle throws? Buck Martinez is our uh, Blue Jays voice on Sportsnet, and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Buck, thanks so much for uh, for for joining us uh, for joining us today. Uh, my friend, Mister Barker, did a did a deep dive into the Jays' schedule. Well, you did and did some work into the Jays' upcoming schedule and you know breaking down how many games are against teams over five hundred. But he 
he was looking at the starting pitching, and he's got 49 games. He's got Manoa, Gossman, and Burrios for nine starts each, which leaves 22 starts to be distributed. 22 starts, you've got five off days. If you're John Schneider, Pete Walker, and, you know, the brain trust of this team, Buck, how are you, as you sit here right now on August, what, August 15th, how are you game planning this? Do you need... Do you basically go game to game with Kikuchi, and if he's good, he gets another start? If he's good, he gets another starter? How, how are you playing this? Yeah, I think that's what you have to do, first of all. Good morning, boys. It's good to be with you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know what? When you look at the Blue Jays starting pitching in August, they're last in the American League with a 550 earned run average. They haven't pitched very well. But, uh, you know, we know they're capable of it, but being capable of it and doing it are two different things. And they have to pitch better right now. They're not pitching deep into a game. Um, you know, they're they're just not pitching up to their capabilities right now. And certainly Kikuchi is a great example of that. And as far as how they're going to use him, I mean, obviously now they get Ross Stripling back on Wednesday. So that'll push Barrios into the Yankee series on Thursday. They need a good start from Kikuchi. I don't think anything is etched in stone right now as far as who's going to go forward through the rotation. I mean, I guess there's even the possibility they could use all six of them mm-hmm. down the stretch. But, uh, you know, there's several things going on here. And obviously the team hasn't played well in August. And uh, you have to play better. And, and the defensive game was terrible yesterday. They didn't play good defense. And, and when you play against teams like the Guardians, uh, like the Orioles right now, you got to catch the ball. And if you don't catch the ball, they're going to beat you. And, you know, the stolen base is becoming more prominent in the game, and the Guardians use that stolen base against the Jays. And it's it, they got to tighten up the defense, and the defense is going to help pitching, and then the pitching uh, shuts down the op- opposition, and the offense can come around. But, uh, you know, not much is going right for the Blue Jays right now. Uh, Jose Barrios is one of those guys for me that needs to, you know, I don't want to say step up, but use his experience down the stretch here and be a little bit better. Buck, is there one thing with him that you've noticed that really stands out to you why he's not the Barrios that we thought he should be? Yes, it's fastball location. There's no question about it. He's just not able to locate his fastball. You know, he's a, he's basically two fastballs, a breaking ball, occasional changeup. And if you're not locating your fastball, I mean, you know, you can kind of spit on the curveball and just wait for a fastball and hopefully make some mistake. And he's given up 26 home runs. That ties his career high. And that, to me, reflects the fact that he just hasn't been able to locate his pitches. This guy's been a good pitcher for a long time. And I think what it does is it brings into focus just how difficult it is to be a good, successful, consistent starting pitcher in the big leagues. And when you take the top guys, the, you know, the Scherzers, the Groms, the Kershaws, uh, the Verlanders, those guys, what they have done is remarkable to be that consistent for that long, year in and year out. And I think, you know, you look at Barrios, and he's had a, a 200-inning season. He's had a couple of 14-win seasons. He's been a good major league pitcher for a long time. He's still 16 games over 500 as a career. So, you know, it's in there. We know it's in there. That's why the Blue Jays signed him and had used that extension to sign him for the long haul. But his issues for me get right back to fastball location. He's just leaving too many balls in the middle of the plate. When uh, George Springer comes off the I.L., how do you think they use him? That's a D.H. I don't think he can play in the field yet with his arm. 
I think he'll be a DH. He'll probably be in the lineup tonight as the leadoff hitter. And, you know, he brings a presence, Kevin. You know what he is in the lineup. And, you know, against Kyle Bradish, the pitcher tonight for the Orioles, he had a couple of hits in his first two at-bats the first time they saw Bradish back in June here at Patrick Center. So, you know, I, I just reading his body language yesterday, watching him, I, I think he's coming back. I think he felt good. He had a lot of energy in his step yesterday. So I would imagine he'll be activated tonight and be in that leadoff spot as the DH. Of course, if that happens, then that means that uh, at least on probably three out of every four, three out of every five, uh, Alejandro Kirk probably, I mean, if you want to get Danny Jansen in the game behind the plate, Alejandro Kirk probably grabs, you know, grabs a seat in the bench. But, I mean, I, I guess the question is, what you say is right. you got to get Springer in the lineup. And, and even if it, if it means putting Kirk on the bench, you have to get Springer in the lineup. Because you, you made this point, you're a better team with George Springer in the lineup. You just look better question about it. He can hit a home run. He can steal a base. He can score from first on an extra base hit. Uh, he's a dynamic offensive player, and the Blue Jays need him. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate this elbow is probably going to limit his action in center field, and because he can't play center, then Kirk's going to have to miss some time. But who do you want in your lineup? George Springer or Andrew Kirk? I think that's an easy question for anybody to answer. Right. How tough do you think it's been for Santiago Espinal to make big league adjustments? Buck, you know as well as anybody, and, and I know somewhat that making big league adjustments, not the easiest thing to do, especially when you're on a team that the expectations are as high as they are. You think it's been tough for him. And, and do you think we have yet seen at least here down the stretch, the best of Santiago Espinal? Well, Kevin, you know what? He had a great first half. He made the all-star team. And, uh, you know, this is the first time he's had this many at bats. He's 150 more at bats over his career high from last year. So, you know what? And here's what happens too. And you know this from having played. When you have success, this happened to Alejandro Kirk, this happened to Espinal, this happens to Biggio and Guerrero. When you have success, the opposing teams are going to work a little harder on game planning against you. And I think that's been the case with Asante. I think he's seen a few more breaking balls. You know, when you get a kid up to the big leagues, you challenge him with fastballs, and he'll get a lot of fastballs to hit. And that's what happened to Kirk. That's what happened to Kevin Bishio early on. They got some fastballs to hit because the league didn't know much about him. Now they're starting the game plan against Santiago Espinal, and I think he's going to have to make some adjustments. He's had a good year. He's at 266 so far. A little bit down right now. They brought in Whit Merrifield, who can uh, spell him at second. But you know what? Uh, it's interesting how they used Kevin yesterday. Put Cavan in the outfield and Merrifield in second base. I might have put Merrifield in right field and Cavan in second base in that situation. But, you know, that game is gone. You have to forget about that. But as far as Espinal, I think um, it's just a young player having to deal with adjustments of the league. And the league's going to catch up to you, and you have to counteract their adjustments and uh, try to figure out what you can do to get back to that good stroke. Now, Ross Atkins took a lot of grief at the trade deadline when he didn't go in and add a quote-unquote name reliever. Uh, Anthony Bass has come in, and he's he, you certainly get the sense, Buck, that there's there's a little more stability in this bullpen right now. Oh, no question. I, I love Anthony Bass. I think he did a good job for the Jays back in 2020. And, and you know, he told me yesterday that he's kind of figured things out uh, with the help of Jason Lane. You remember Jason mm-hmm. Lane was a position player that came back as a pitcher. So he had both perspectives, and uh, Anthony spoke to him, and Lane said, hey, man, you're too conservative with your pitches. Your stuff is too good to try to be fine. Just challenge the hitter. We saw that yesterday. He came in and threw everything over. Hitting is very difficult. And I think as a relief pitcher, 
the fewer pitches you use in your outing, the more successful you're going to be because the hitters don't have a read on what you're featuring. You come into the game, throw it over, put them in play, don't give them a chance to make adjustments to your pitches. And I think Anthony has reached that point now. He's going to be a very valuable guy. I think Anthony and uh, Jimmy Garcia will be the guys in the eighth inning to pitch before Romano. But I think, too, we saw it with Romano, that they're going to be able to use him in the eighth inning if need be, depending on where they are in the lineup. And they did that very effectively on Saturday, bringing him in in the eighth inning to close out that game. Are you surprised that we've seen John use uh, Jordan Romano for more than more than three outs as often as, as we have? No, I'm not. Because you don't have those other guys that throw like Romano ahead of him. If you had more guys that averaged 96, 97 with your fastball, it might be a different story. But you have to manage the game according to where you are in the lineup. You know, a lot of managers will talk about that, but they won't do it saying, you know what, you could save the game in the seventh, you could save the game in the eighth, but because all of these players are paid on their stats, mm-hmm. you save your closer for that save in the ninth inning. But, you know, for the manager, you might save the game in the seventh inning, but that doesn't go on the closer's staff line. He doesn't get a save for that, but he can certainly save the game in the seventh inning if you're in a difficult part of the lineup. Buck, do you like where Bo Bichette's offensive game is at this time of the year? No. Do you? <laughs> I don't think Bo does either. <laughs> I think I think Bo's going through a tough time right now. You know, he's he's trying to help the team win. He, he's probably forcing things a little bit at the plate. But uh, you know, he, he's a good hitter. He has been for a long time, and it's just a matter of him just kind of, you know. And Kevin, you know this as well as anybody, and I certainly knew it through the course of my career. It's difficult to hit pitches out of the strike zone. Mm-hmm. And he chases a lot of pitches. I think if he could force, when Bo makes the pitcher throw it down the middle, he's hitting about 460 when he gets pitches middle, middle in the strike zone. But, you know, he, he just feels like he can hit everything. And that's oftentimes what happens to a young kid. He's had unbelievable success throughout his career in the minor leagues, had a great year last year, and he just has the feel that he can hit anything. Well, now, once again, the league is. is putting a little more time in their preparation against Bo, and they're not throwing him many strikes. And that becomes a double-edged sword for Bo because he's not getting many pitches to hit, so he's chasing pitches that are borderline pitches as opposed to passing the baton to the next guy and letting that next guy, in most cases, uh, Matt Chapman, do the damage. But uh, if Bo forces the pitcher into the strike zone, he's going to do a lot of damage. Buck, listening to you talk right there and and all the things that are going on with the rotation and their bullpen and the way they play defense and you want to maximize what you've got offensively, you could argue right now that Lourdes and Matt Chapman are having better at bats than Bo is. Do you think there's any chance sometime soon that they would move those two guys in front of Bo and have the lineup look a little bit different with Bo at the bottom of the order than hitting in the middle of the order? Yeah, I, I think anything's possible, Kevin. I think if, uh, you know, they get to the point. I mean, when you think about this team and what they have done in this month, they're not hitting much. You know, when you look at the Blue Jays batting average in the month of August, it's uh, 244. They're not scoring many runs. They've only scored 38 runs in 11 games. So you could argue, and players could have a very little uh, weak stance saying, oh, yeah, you can't change the lineup. And the numbers suggest that why not? You're not doing anything with this lineup. We can change the lineup and try to set something up. But you know what? 
it, it's just difficult. And, and, you know, you've talked about this forever, and, I, you know, I kind of discounted what you said about left-handed hitting in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Jays, you know, they've got top in, they got this year. But when you really think about it, and this is probably the basis of your argument, is the pitchers see right-hander, 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 right-hander. Mm-hmm. So they fall into a comfort level just because even if they're good right-handed hitters like the Blue Jays lineup, so now they don't have to worry about making adjustments to that left-handed hitter. So you know what? I'm starting to buy into that a little bit because we saw it with Shane Bieber. He saw one right-hander after another right-hander and just kept making those same pitches. He didn't have to alter his approach because there wasn't a left-handed bat in the middle of that order. Now the uh, Orioles come in town for the first of three. I think they have 14 games, <clears throat> 14 games left against the Orioles, I believe. No? Too much? 12, baby. 12? Okay. 12 games left against uh, the Orioles. I think there was a doubleheader in there someplace. I don't know. Anyhow, but they got they got a lot of games left against mm-hmm. the uh against the Orioles. Uh what 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 is what does the Jays approach have to be against this sort of, you know, this Orioles team, pesky team with a, a bullpen that's gonna come in and be throwing hard at the end of the game? Well, the first thing they have to do is pitch better. Because the Orioles have scored more they've averaged seven runs. Over the last five games, they played against the Blue Jays, and you know what? They have—they've uh, got a five-game streak with six or more runs in their series against the Blue Jays. So you got to pitch better. And this team is free and easy. You talk about a team last year, fifty-two and one ten. They've already run fifty-nine games, and it's a remarkable turnaround. But uh, you know they're catching it pretty well. They got a pretty good defensive team anchored by Mateo at shortstop. But uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence right now, and uh, they're doing a good job, and their bullpen has been good. they got Bautista at the end that throws 100, and, you know, they're, they're free and easy right now. And the starters have pitched well this month. They pitched to a 422 earned run average. Uh, the Orioles are, are third in runs scored in the month of August. They've scored 58 runs in 12 games. So you got to pitch better. Give your uh, offense a chance, but uh, – you know, it's up to Kikuchi, and we know he has had a tough season, but he's got to come out, throw strikes, fill up the strikes on with, with fastballs, and uh, try to put up some zeros. Buck, really good of you to do this. Thanks so much. We'll see you down at the yard tonight. Thanks, Buck. All right, fellas. Thank you. Take care. That's Buck Martinez, Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. 7.07 is the first pitch tonight. Kyle Bradish against Yusei Kikuchi. The rest of the matchups, Alec Manoa against Dean Kramer and Ross Stripling against Austin Voth. And uh, that is a, I believe that's a 3 o'clock or 3, 3.07 start on Wednesday afternoon. as uh, 3.07. 3.07 as the Jays and Orioles. And they have 13 the games left against Right, because the there was a doubleheader. There was. I was con- getting it mixed up. But yes, 13 games left against the Orioles, including the final series of the year in Baltimore. The Blue Jays can't forget that they have other teams to face, too. <laughs> I, I know a lot of emphasis is being put on the Orioles and what are you going to do in those 13 games and all the – but you still got some – you got 49 games total. Do you, 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 you take it small sample size. Don't get ahead of yourself. Worry about that day. Have better at-bats. Play better defense. Pitch better. And if they do, they'll make a decent run at this thing and get themselves in the playoffs. Do you think that this um, this these thirteen games against Baltimore is this going to revitalize or breathe life into that Orioles Jays rivalry again? 
No, I do. I will say this. I think the rain out was a blessing in, in disguise. I, I think if the Blue Jays would have gotten swept because of who was throwing that last game in, in Baltimore, if they would have been swept on the road by the Orioles, I, I do think that would have done something to the mindset of them dreading facing the Orioles. I think the weather did the Blue Jays a favor by not, you know, having two games taken from them in Oriole Park is different than being swept. That's right. a big deal. That's a mental punch in the face if you get swept by the Orioles in Camden Yard. So I, I do think they they dodged the bullet there. And, you know, again, I, I, I'm not going to put too much on, on those third game, 13 games. I just think if they if they worry about certain parts of their schedule, certain guys that are throwing, and George Springer comes back and hits the ground running, I, th- I still think they'll be okay. I think they play good enough defense most of the time that that's not going to hurt them. I think they run the bases well enough most of the time. Now they have lapses like every team does. Every team does. No team's perfect. You would love a perfect team all the time that's going to do absolutely everything when they're supposed to do it. That's, that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, the, the Dodgers, I guess, as the closest team to that, because they pitch, they hit, they they do a lot of things to make up for woes of their team because they're special. But there's only one of those teams. So, again, I, I, my optimism is a, a little higher than yours is obviously. And Bucks, no, now listen, it, listen to Buck, no, 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 listen to Buck to talk to. You know, there's a lot of things have to go right, it's and it's not what they're pitching. Yeah, I, I, it's it's not that. Look. I th- I think the Jays are going to make the playoffs. It's not that the I'm 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 less optimistic than I have been for about two months about them <laughs> winning the American League. I mean, clearly, um, but maybe for different reasons now. Maybe it's not just the big bad Yankees. It's you know we talked about Houston watching Lance McCullers Jr. come out and throw six shutout innings, like he just. Now it was against yeah. Oakland, but I'm, I yeah, got you. But I've still, got you. still Lance McCullers Jr. He's Lance McCullers Jr. Mm-hmm. And he looked like it was just, it looked like it was his 20th start of the year. No question. Right? Um, so, uh, yeah, I think the Astros have really kind of supplanted the Yankees. The Yankees have some issues. And I, and you, know, you may have been right about, you may have been right about the Yankees. They may have peaked a little bit and we may have gotten a little carried away here because now the injuries are starting to show up and Clay Holmes maybe looks Maybe this is the reason that Pittsburgh was so was so Michael willing King's to get rid of him. Michael King's a big loss for them. Michael he, he King, was their, like their hybrid, could do everything two from things. the sixth inning on. Like he was, it's a that's a tough loss for them. I went back at the start of the year and I thought when we were talking about the Yankees and I said this, I thought Luis Severino could be the single most important arm in this division. Yeah, and between him and you're right, Michael King. I think we really underestimated the importance of Michael no King. Question. Those two arms. Yeah, it's great that they've got Garrett Cole, and, and and it's great that they went out and got Frankie Montas. But those two arms, I really believe, and and Severino in particular. I thought Severino would be a difference maker in the AL East, and he may he, he may turn out to be just not the way that I, just not the way I do. And that right I and right now the be. way they're playing, they may not even make it to the Astros series. Listen, Seattle, the Guardians. The Jays, if they can get it straightened around, and you know the little engine that could Tampa, but the Rays are always going to be tough because of the way they can yeah. pitch. Yeah. No, it, it's it's not going to be easy. It it is not going to be easy. No. It's not going to be easy at all. Mike Bordick is a former Baltimore Orioles and Blue Jays shortstop. He's also 
one of the Orioles analysts on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Let's take a look at the Orioles because God knows we're going to be seeing a lot of them over the next couple of weeks. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, the Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 360. Hello, Mom. And wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. a stretch drive. See, it's a Monday. It's just flying by. I'm Blair and Barker. You gonna do some work tonight? <sighs> take some notes. Take some notes. I'll take some notes at the game tonight. You took a lot of notes. You were, you were, you were all ginned up coming in here. You were like, good to you go. You know, yeah, because I knew how you were gonna be. I, I knew that Here's you were gonna, gonna be, be pissy, I knew right? you were gonna be in that direction because that's the easiest direction to go. Didn't take any effort to be in that direction. So I knew. I know my buddy. I know my buddy. I know my buddy. I know how he is. Because that's a, that's the, that's the easy route. Put your blinker on. Go that way. To me, I'm going the other way. Okay. All right. I had a, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Anybody, Lance? I'm asking you, Lance. Help me out. Do you have any idea what put? Well, your, you don't need to. That's a new you barkerism. Just, you take the easy way out. That's a new. That's what that means. So I mean, I pay attention. What you're saying is, I follow the rules of the road, put my blinker on to turn, and you just go the other way down a one-way street, which whenever, is possible. Whatever it, it calls for that situation. Yes. You are the man who put the sack and called the sack. There's not much doubt about it. I. Let's bring in Mike Bordick, former Orioles, Blue Jays shortstop, current Orioles analyst and 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Mr. Bordick, thank you for joining Kevin and myself. We trust that you're doing uh, well. It's a you know, big series between the Orioles and Jays, as we all predicted <laughs> at the start of the year. We looked ahead to the August 15th series and said, yeah, this could be, this could be a big three games. When did, it, when did it start turning around for you, Mike? When did you look at this Orioles team and go, Okay, they, you know, they're they're going to be in the wild card race here to some degree. Trying summer, that's for sure. But I will say this: for most of the summer, they were in a lot of their ball games, so there was just a better feel, I think, in Baltimore about just how the Orioles were presenting themselves on a daily basis. Uh, so that kind of made everybody feel good. But uh, the goal was obviously to get to 500. And I think when they got to 500, everybody started saying, wow, they're really turning the corner here. And, and I think that was the moment when the team really started believing in themselves, when you could kind of see a more positive team chemistry um, uh, taking hold. And uh, they have just played some of their best baseball, I guess, over the last month or so. So um, it's been a lot of fun watching them go. Um, who knows what, where they're going to end up? I, I do know this. They, they have been riding a great wave of confidence. And since the All-Star break, uh, a lot of different players have really uh, stepped up and played some good baseball. Speaking of stepping up, uh, Felix Batista has been pretty good at the back end of that bullpen. Do you see any parts of his game that you think could make him better? Um, well, I, I think he's starting to get some newfound confidence. I think with most of these arms, it's mm -hmm. the command is always a, an issue. And for Batista, 
the reason why he hasn't been up in the big leagues uh, up until this point were just the command issues. He was very erratic all over the place. Uh, Perez, much the, in the same um, when he was with Cincinnati last year. I mean, he was walking the world. They got rid of him, and the Orioles took a chance and somehow were able to harness his command a little bit. And, and Batista's that guy. With the, he's such a big body. Um, to be able to sync up that frame and just more consistent in the strike zone is really all it's going to take because uh, he's throwing 100 miles an hour. He's got a nice slider and split finger to go along with it. Every hitter's got to really gear up uh, uh, just a hair more to try to catch up with his fastball. But if he can throw strike one, typically he's got a great advantage. When he, It's when he falls behind is when hitters are able to get to him a little bit more. But uh, the team has rallied around him. Um, there was some concern that Maybe mentally he wasn't going to be able to handle uh, the pressure when Lopez got traded away to the Minnesota Twins. But, you know, I I think he's got a lot of support. And I think there again, you go right back to the team chemistry. Uh, A few nights ago uh, at home, he he walked the batter, fell behind. And next thing you know, the whole infield is behind his back, coming in, kind of trying to get him right. He kind of nodded his head and off he went and got another save. So, um, it's that kind of makeup, I think, that this team has that has really kind of helped him find his confidence. And I think you guys know uh, when you're feeling good, um, more times than not, you're going to play pretty well. Now, my understanding is that Anthony Santander uh, will be on this trip with the Orioles, that he has been vaccinated, so he'll be able to clear the border, uh, clear the border vaccine restriction issues that kept him out uh, the last time the Orioles were in town. And that would certainly be welcome news for the Orioles, considering Ryan Mountcastle's dealing with a hand injury, and we know what you know what Ryan Mountcastle does does to the does to the Blue Jays. Um, how important is Santander to this to this lineup, though, Mike? Yeah, he he's really been crucial. Uh, he's having a career year, um, home runs. He's walking a lot more. His on base percentage is up as high as it's ever been playing a pretty solid defense in the outfield. If, if the Orioles do have one leak, weak link uh, defensively in the outfield, it might be Santander, but I think he's pretty average defender um, in this Oriole outfield. Uh, and I just think he, he's been huge. Now he's got, a, he's got more years under his belt than most of the Orioles. Uh, great switch hitter, power from both sides. And he is uh, a danger in the Oriole lineup right now. And he is going to have to keep picking it up uh, the slack. I think if Mountcastle isn't able to play this series against the Blue Jays, that is just a huge bat taken out because, like you said, I mean, the numbers that he's putting up against the Blue Jays over the last couple of years have just been unbelievable. And it seems like, I don't know, every cycle there's one or two or- Oriole players mm. that just put up these unbelievable numbers. I know Chris Davis had those numbers for a while. Oh, yes. Adam Jones, when he was a superstar, had some incredible numbers off the Blue Jays, and it seems like this cycle it's, it's Ryan Mountcastle. So hopefully the trainers can work their magic on his hand and, and he can get some at-bats because I think in a lot of ways just a, a, a hitter like that, just his presence in the lineup, even if he doesn't get a hit, can kind of disrupt the psyche a little bit of, of an opposing pitcher or team. If you had to put a grade on Cedric Mullins' season, what would that grade be? I'm going to give him a solid B plus, Mm. Uh, you know, I think defensively he's as good as anybody in center field. Maybe his only drawback is his arm strength, but 
I'll say this right now, there aren't many outfielders that that have good, accurate arms anyway in, in the big leagues. Uh, the balls are rolling all over the infield. Cedric's defensively, he takes as good a route as anybody to the baseball. Um, he's accurate with his arm. He did, I don't think he's got an error this year in the outfield, so he's definitely playing a gold glove caliber type of outfield. Offensively, will he ever go 30-30 again? I don't know. I doubt that. There's never been an Oriole to do it, but him last year, but he's still a spark at the top of the lineup. He's got I think 25 or 26 stolen bases only behind Mateo uh, right now. So can really wreak havoc on the bases. He's always going to give you good at bat. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's a, as solid a major leaguer um, as there is. And I, I think he's just been somebody that really brings a great presence to the Orioles lineup on both sides of the baseball. Mike, what have you learned about Brandon Hyde during this run? Um, well, I've learned that he's had incredible patience, especially when he first came on with that 115 loss season. And, uh, he's had 110, 105 losses, you know, his whole goal, I think, uh, since he took over the helm with the Baltimore Orioles is just try to, to change collectively the mindset to start have guys start believing in themselves, whether or not they had the talent you know, was always going to be a question mark, at least under Brandon Hyde's watch, because, uh, you know, Adley Rutschman hadn't arrived yet. But he wanted guys to just believe that if they played good defense, if they ran the bases well, if they put together good at-bats, then good things would happen. And that happened. And and I think, uh, you know, a credit to him for having that patience to continue to send the positive message and, and have it reflect on, you know, this this young team. And then to finally get his dream catcher into in the big leagues. Now, every spring training I was a part of with Brandon Hyde, all he wanted was a catcher that would take charge and, and lead, you know, in, like catchers are supposed to do. Be vocal. Uh, keep your pitching staff energized and engaged. Um, and, you know, he, he was blessed with Chirinos. And uh, Chirinos really did a great job kind of, setting the tone and i think he is going to be go down as one of the unsung heroes for this uh this season for the orioles no matter where they go i think he was a huge reason why they had so much success the first half of the season but adley rushman's arrival certainly changed everybody's mindset they i think they all believe that that uh here we go now's the time some younger guys are going to start making their arrival adley rushman uh watching him defensively he's Man, one of the best defensive catchers I've seen. Uh, blocks every ball. He's got an incredible arm. Great pop time back there. Um, great leadership skills. Is always in the pitcher's ear, trying to give confidence and support. And he puts together great at bats. I mean, by the end of this, uh, Adley Rutschman will be in consideration for Rookie of the Year if he's not already. One of the top uh, talks, he, he's got a great walk rate, incredible batting eye. He hits more doubles than anybody I've ever seen. He's going to lead the team in doubles. He's going to lead the team in walks by the end of this year. Um, so he, he does a lot of great things. He's always touted to be, and I think guys have really kind of rallied behind that. So uh, it's a fun team to watch. Don't get me wrong. Are they Are they the Toronto Blue Jays? I'm not sure about that. I know that they've played them pretty tough here recently. Um, 
So in, in Baltimore, uh, I think for years of losing, all we wanted to see is good baseball, and we've finally started to see some really good baseball. Mike, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Be well. That is Mike Bordick, former Major League shortstop. Orioles analyst with 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Well, I, was, uh, I know we got to move on to another segment, but I was going to ask Kyle Bradish is throwing tonight. This will be back-to-back starts against the Blue Jays. He's working on an extra day's rest. What do you think the challenges might be for that? And then, and, and then I was listening to Gosman talk to Hazel May about the extra day's rest this time of the year and how much that can help. It's not a routine buster. It's not something you have to think about, right? Well, how am I going to feel that extra day? It's just a day of rest. Yeah, it's it was, time of the year, so I don't think that'll be a big deal for Kyle. No, and it was interesting hearing that interview, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I made a note about it. I wanted to talk about it uh, yesterday, but we didn't We didn't get a chance to get around to it. Buck also alluded to this, how you know Gossman talked about he threw a light pen. He had an added light pen in between. Sure. And those Atlanta Braves staffs with Glavin, Smoltz, Maddox, they all did that. Buck referred to that. That was all part of their deal is they threw a light pen. And it wasn't, it was just to kind of get, it was to get the feel of being on the mound. And it wasn't, you weren't necessarily working in anything. You just wanted to get the feel, wanted to kind of. Down the slow, exactly, in the same spot, getting exactly. the release point. That's not all it was. You weren't, you weren't. It's not you, number of pitches, none of that. It's, you weren't yeah. work, working on anything. You were just doing that. And I think there's, there's something to be, there's something to be said to that. You know, and, and I mean, I, I wrote this thing I did in Sportsnet.ca a couple of weeks ago, and Ross Atkins made this point, and I think we need to <clears throat> we need to kind of get by this, all of us, and us in the media, but fans. Everything these guys do is monitored now. Mm. Every time they're out throwing before a game, they're all wearing. You've seen those little sports things that are analyzing heart rate and all that stuff. Everything these guys do is monitored. So workload isn't just number of pitches, innings pitched, high leverage innings, high leverage situations. It really is the amount of work you are putting into your body to try to maintain your strength. And, and yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I, I've always – the mystery to me about baseball, the one mystery I've always – I understand why, but the – the idea that an extra day's rest is necessarily a bad thing has always kind of, for pitchers... That's easy. ...has always kind of struck me. So, so I know a, it's about feel yeah, and routine no, no, and no, all that. It's about if you do it one way, <laughs> it works. You don't want to disrupt that and do it a different way. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. It's got nothing to do with the extra day, and it's that, okay, it's been working. I don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat with that. I don't want to do something extra because it may not work then. That's why. It's not really about the extra day and what do you do and why do you do it. It's that why would I do it if I right, if that's what I've been doing it has been working. I don't want to I don't want to rock the boat with that. So it's more about that than than other things. We got uh, ten minutes left. We've got a healthy dose of Barker's back lake bits to get to here. So thanks to those of you who've uh, who sent in questions. Again, you can DM me. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. And uh, we will get to your questions after every, uh, at the end of every show. First of all, Tony Rosati uh, wants to jump in here. He is a, uh, lives in Buffalo. He is a pharmacist. <clears throat> Pardon me. And he says, quote, Tatis is full of crap. <laughs> Close to ball is an anabolic steroid. 
Clobaltasol is a corticosteroid medication that's in a cream used for skin conditions. Completely different medications that sound similar. I take your word for it. I, I, I would too. And it, given what we know about Fernando Tatis Jr., is it possible that he's dumb enough to think that that the opposite is true? Yes. Boy, Although I, I hope still not. think I, I, I still hope you're think wrong there. I hope you're wrong there. It just sounds to me like he was trying to look over there. <laughs> like, yeah, cat and mouse. <laughs> yeah, that's what it looked to me like. And then he got caught. And he, and he asked for mommy's help. Chris, whose Twitter handle is Blue Jays Girl 5, wants to know what are your thoughts about Ken Giles? Ken Giles has been released by Seattle or asked for his relief. We release. He has pitched in Toronto before, obviously, after a deal with the Astros. Likes it here. We know that. Uh, I don't know. I'd be lying if I said I followed what he's been doing this year with a great, with a great deal of, uh, uh, you know, is examining it too closely. The bullpen's been, as I said, statistically, the bullpen's been pretty good. If you look at, and I was just doing some numbers. If you look at the numbers, it's in the middle of the pack, major league pack in a lot of cases. It's war. I don't know, bullpen war. I've always kind of had a bit of an issue with bullpen war. But if you put anything in bullpen war, wins above replacements, 25th in baseball at 1.0. But it's kind of in the middle in the number of batters faced, numbers of pitches thrown. It does give up. It does give up more hard contact than most bullpens in baseball. But some of the other bullpens that also do it, the Cleveland Indians are, or the Cleveland Guardians, are right by them, are close to them in terms of hard contact. And the 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 Guardians bullpen is pretty good. But I don't know. I look. We know that Julian Merriweather is apparently making enough. Uh, making enough of an impact that he may be in the picture at some point here. Who the hell knows what's happening with, with Nate Pearson? There's a chance, I suppose, both of those guys at some point end up here and you know, let them go and see what they see what they give you. If they give you anything great, if they don't, you can't say that you're surprised necessarily. Those are fifth inning guys for <clears> me, not even sixth inning guys. Like I, I know everybody's going to throw their hands up in the air and, and raise their eyebrow about – Julian Merriweather and Nate Pearson, like uh, the, the next four, the are, next forty nine games are urgent. Yeah, I, I listen. You ain't I, trying to figure, uh, fill in the blanks well, and figure out what you got. What I what? Well, I think in a couple of in a couple of those instances, you may. I mean, again, well, you just said they've knows. been doing okay. The the bullpen. So you, you know, may want Romano's doing things. Anthony Bass, yeah, you feel comfortable with Jimmy Garcia? You're going to live and die with that. And then there's everybody else. So everybody else seems to be doing all right. It's, the, the point is, if the, if, he, if if both of those guys can contribute, maybe you, well, you know, maybe you take a look at them. I can't. There's my negativity back. Uh, and and Ken Giles, look, I, I mean, I don't know. If you're, if he's given up one hit in five innings, he's walked four guys and punched out six. Yeah. I mean, the walks is a little alarming, but he has came back from a major injury. Uh, if the velocity's there. And he can throw it down that, and away. That would be my I, I, question. I'm, I'm, I mean, if he if he's reaching close to triple digits, which he normally did. Uh, my understanding is it was more like 96, 97. I mean, they got like 
bunch of guys well, that can do that. 96, 97? Well, they got They're Garcia. They're 94, 95. Garcia's been hitting He's 96, 96. He'll hit that occasionally. Bass is a little lower. I mean, I look, I, whatever. Bring him in. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're going to sign him, to me, it's the same thing as Jackie Bradley Jr. Doesn't move the needle. Gives you a little more there depth. You go. Maybe it works out. If it doesn't, you you know you haven't you haven't set yourself back uh, any by any 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 stretch of the imagination. But I do think that the focus now for the Jays would be on seeing if you're going to bring Ken Giles in or somebody like that. Maybe you see with Julian. I mean, you know, you just know if he's healthy because me, of the way this organization is. Kevin, you know they're going to give Julian Merriweather another look. They just start. For me, it's about they the just starts. Start. How do you feel the 22 starts? If you want to throw That's, nine starts from Barrios in there, so now you're looking at close to 30 starts. How does those 30 starts out of the 49 starts look? Yeah. You're more For me, you're more worried about that I, than Ken Giles. I was going to say, I would think that in the last three weeks, your, your focus of concern has probably moved on from the bullpen a little bit more to the starting rotation. Correct? Would you say that? Yeah, starting I've rotation been, is I've a bigger concern about Barrios most of the year. On, you say Kikuchi is now. Would yeah. you say that the starting rotation is more of a concern than the bullpen? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. That's that's what I was getting at, and I, and I think earlier in the year we may have said otherwise. But uh, and boy, it well, is we did say. it is getting it is getting uh, <laughs> it is getting really hard to defend Jose Barrios. <laughs> Beyond well, saying, you're try though. Well, as I, I, yeah, yeah, try. Listen, I was on, I was on the fan, uh, the, the morning show today, and I just said part of it is self-preservation because the dude's here for six more years, and I just, I, I at, at this point in my life, I don't want to spend six years hammering a guy for stinking. So well, I'm almost at the point where the I'm other, hoping. Why are you worried about the other five? Worry about the, what's right in front of you. Right in front of you ain't real good. Terry Whalen and Miramichi, Kevin, I tend to side with Jeff that this team may not be as good as first hoped, a wild card team, if they do not have a good run over the next 10 games and then go in that busy, uh, go in that easy run, will you get on board with Jeff and I? The answer no. is no. Barker's Absolutely always never. optimistic. Barker's always. And I'm still optimistic. I said it. I'm, st- I, I, I'm still I'm, optimistic. It's, I'm just uh, yeah, not as optimistic the, the, beauty as of, the beauty of this show is I know my host. I know which direction he will go because it's very easy to go that way. Put that blinker on. Well, uh, like it's, it's, that, it's our job to give both sides, and that's what we've done. Not really. We don't. It have absolutely. To be, we is. don't have to be balanced. It, that it balance, is. It is. No, being and balanced, I, my, being it, balanced it, it, it is for journalists. It, it we're not me. journalists. We're radio people. It wasn't people. hard for me to go home and figure out schedules and strength and know if George Springer comes back and plays forty-five games. Oh, guess what? They're a better team. Let's not Shadio. Can Barker explain velocity to us? Well, that's a loaded question. I see a lot of hype that Merriweather is on his way back to the J. There is a, a lot of people are talking about Merriweather. I know we're desperate There's for. A lot of I know we are. People get worked up about Julian Merriweather. Well, more Everybody's power to you. exactly. I know we're desperate for velocity, but is velocity with no movement a good thing? Last time he was up, things were not good. Also, a lot of Pearson hype again. He has velocity, but is velocity uh, without I, command good? You got ninety seconds. Velocity without command. Why is velocity important? Velocity allows you occasionally to get away with a cement mix and secondary pitch because you got to open up the front side to cheat to get velocity, especially late in season when you're tired, you're mentally tired. And now, by the way, for the most part, because those guys that you're facing have done it all year, they're locating somewhat that you have to cheat to get to that allows you to be able to get away with a bad secondary pitch. How was that? That's, That's like perfect. 40 seconds. 
Uh, and as you were talking, I was just looking at the MLB network and they were running down the Houston Astros rotation. <laughs> Verlander, Vasquez, Garcia, McCullers, Jose Urquidy, and I'm missing somebody else. Javier. Javier. Yeah, they're good. You better bring it. You face three of those. Three of those dudes are going to end up in the bullpen, maybe in the post. You think about that. Uh, That's it for Blair and Barker. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk following tonight's game. Thanks for joining us. If you're subscribing via podcast, please rate and review. Have a great day.